0: Week on Dig Me Out. Tim and Jay review "Squinting Before the Dazzle" by Throneberry.
1: Minor missteps here and there, but I don't have a lot of negatives to say about the record.
0: I think there's some things I like about this record. I, I don't, I don't think it's all slam dunk.
1: It's always good to get a little distortion on the voice.
0: Kind of comes off as like '80s Peter Gabriel or Tears for yeah. Fears. Hello and
1: welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host Tim Minichi, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Mister Jason. Ziac, J, It's episode one hundred and fifty-three, one hundred and fifty-three, one hundred and fifty-three of season three, the second to last review of the year for us. It's the uh, month of December. It's typical in Ohio, as uh, most people in Ohio know. Today, it was we started the day it was like sixty-five degrees, and then it's like forty degrees, and we're gonna get snowstorms. That's Ohio in December.
0: Yeah, I actually so, had the window open today.
1: Yeah, and now and and tomorrow it's going to be an apocalypse <laughs> of snow. Nobody will be able to drive. It's going to be chaos. Um, appropriately enough, we're talking about Ohio, and we're also going to be reviewing an Ohio band. We haven't done one in uh, quite some time, but we've we've tackled some uh, some Cleveland bands. We've tackled some Columbus bands. We did a Dayton band. Uh, I don't think we've done a Cincinnati band. This is our first uh, time uh, heading down to that part of the state. And uh, we're going to talk about Throneberry and their 1998 album, Squinting Before the Dazzle. Jay, were you familiar with Squinting Before the Dazzle before I suggested that we check this album out? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think so. I think I own this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) on CD didn't remember too much about it, but the name was familiar. The album cover was familiar, and I think I uh, rem- remember buying it, you know, in a, in a local record store at one point.
1: Gotcha. Uh, I was also – well, let me put it this way. This was a band I was aware of, sort of, kind of, but never really um, put the pieces together until long after they were gone. Um, so – mentioned we're reviewing their 1998 album it's also their last album and in about the mid 2000s i think uh we were actually playing a show our band was playing a show in cincinnati and i had heard the name Throneberry as mentioned about being similar to the afghan wigs and having some connections to them and we were in cincinnati and we were at a record store and went in there and found this record used for a couple bucks so i picked it up at that time and had it uh, up until the big, great CD purge of whenever that happened. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I did a similar thing. I remember hearing about the band, and that's why I ended up buying it. I, I don't remember when it when it was. I'm assuming it was around the same time you did,
1: right? Probably like I'm going to guess in the 2002 to 2004 years. Okay, that's that's when we were doing the most of our, a lot of our touring, and when we were hitting Cincinnati, you know, a couple times a year. So that would have made sense. Uh, So we talked a little bit about Throneberry. Let's dive into the history of the band.
0: History of the band.
1: So Throneberry formed in 1990 in, as we mentioned, Cincinnati, Ohio, by singer-guitarist Jason Arbenz and bassist Paul Cavins. Um, Originally, they started playing together in the mid-'80s, um, they were together at uh, the University of Miami of Ohio. Not to be confused with the University of Miami in uh, Florida. Uh, they were in a band called the Liquid Hippos. And the drummer in that band was Michael Horrigan, who would end up being the drummer on the last album for the Afghan Whigs. Hmm. So after that band broke up, um, they were in Cincinnati, Jason and Paul, and they, jo- they were joined by Sam womelsdorf i think is how you say it womelsdorf um who played guitar and steve mccabe on drums and they formed Throneberry, named after marvelous marv Throneberry, the first baseman for the 1962 mets considered one of the worst teams in the history of professional baseball uh, they signed to alias records and all of their releases came out on Ali's Records. Their first album, Sangria, came out in 1993, and it was produced by Greg Dooley, who had been a roommate at one point of lead singer uh, and guitarist Jason Arbenz. Um, their second album, Trot Out the Encores, came out in 1996, followed by the same year, the Gorilla Skies EP. Also that year, they opened for the Afghan, Afghan Whigs on, their, on the Whigs European Tour, and McCabe left the band and he was replaced by former Liquid Hippos drummer uh, Michael Horrigan I don't actually I don't know if he left the band or if he was unable to do the tour but he was on he was the drummer on that tour so in 1998 their third album Squinting before the Dazzle came out that's also the year that um the Wigs put out in 1965 so I'm, and Horrigan was the drummer on that so I'm guessing that Oregon was not the drummer for both bands. McKay must have been back in the band at that point. So there's not there's no Wikipedia for Throneberry. There is an all-music page. And actually, I pulled a lot of the information off of the Alias Records website, which um, I thought was sort of a local la- uh, label. But if you go through their artist list, they actually have had bands like American Music Club, Arches of Loaf, um, Yola Tango, Knapsack caustic resin so they've they've had a quite a few um kind of big bands for indie rock on Hmm. their uh roster so um definitely an interesting label to uh to check out uh they're based out of uh actually i don't know where they're based out of i thought it was cincinnati but might be wrong about that so anyway so that's the history of throneberry of course if you would like to suggest a band and an album for us to review visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com starting on our 2014 suggestions i guess you'd say because uh 2013 is all filled up at this point Um, so we didn't get any facebook feedback which uh, i was a little bit disappointed by that because jay's recent picks got feedback and then our you know, suggestions picks got feedback, and uh, the one time I make a pick in the last three months, and it doesn't get any feedback. So, mm. wait. What does that to tell us? Uh, it means I pick obscure bands that nobody cares about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a lot of. Uh, it seems well, yeah. It seems like we got a, lo- a lot of Ohio listeners. I'm surprised somebody didn't chime in, uh, remembering this band.
1: Clearly, it's this all this passed them by, <laughs> without mm-hmm. any sort of interest so let's get into the review of this album jay let's talk about squinting before the dazzle the third record by throneberry you mentioned that at some point you uh bought this record and then forgot about it so yeah revisiting did uh throneberry uh make you squint before their dazzle or Mm -hmm. were you left undazzled
0: i i definitely like it better now than I, than I apparently did then <laughs> um, it does remind me of a lot of bands um, from that era that mm-hmm. I think we both like um, that's both at times a good thing for this record and at other times maybe not so good uh, it starts off I hear a lot of uh, Catherine Wheel on the first track and actually several of the tracks on the record really um, huh. yeah yeah uh I, I think the vocal at times he, the his phrasing and um delivery reminds me a lot of um Rob Dickinson I'll never be- There's some shoegazy, big chord, fuzzy guitar kind of ballad or slow songs on here, um, like "Shepherd Song." Mm-hmm. Um, remind me of a lot of, uh, you know, the Catherine Wheel stuff where they're channeling Pink Floyd. Um, so, I, I like the that element of the band. Um, there's some really cool. Uh, Interesting second guitar work on this. So track two, Mm -hmm. there's a slide intro and um, some really cool um, just uh, lead work and accents on the second guitar. So I really like that. Um, I like uh, a song like Stolen. It's got a very kind of crisp riff. uh, Reminded me a little bit of like Creeper Lagoon meets Dinosaur Jr. Um, Dreamy chorus, fuzzy fuzzy, um, guitar, big roomy drums. Um, you know, that's another song where the second guitar plays some pretty interesting accents and, and, leads. Um, it's just, that song and Shut Up to me have a really good, um, when they're, I guess in their most up-tempo rock mode, mm-hmm. um, and they work pretty well, um, I think Shut Up has probably the best hook on the record, um, pretty decent from a pop standpoint, um, the stuff I don't love is like Gorilla Skies where it sounds like they're trying to write a song off of Sgt. Peppers. Um, there's, there's definitely
1: a, of, a heavy Beatle influence on that song.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it kind of comes off as like, I don't know, 80s Peter Gabriel or Tears Her Fears or like a, <laughs> a bad imitation of those bands. Like it just doesn't work. It's just kind of goofy. And there's some points on it where it's like, it goes beyond there's some lines he delivers and some some melodies and things they play on the organs and the sounds they're using that are just it goes beyond like being inspired to like almost parodying um you know the beatles uh sergeant pepper era stuff that's a song where i don't i don't know where they're going with that um and then there's just some other stuff where um it's not a horrible misstep but like let's hear it for decay not not bad It just it it rambles a little bit it's not quite as sharp um it uh um it's not like isn't it a pity same thing it's kind of a weird 6-8 halftime thing or it's just a weird timing and it's kind of a that's an example of, it's got some of the elements of the other songs, too, that I like. So it's like a mix of, of uh, you know, a power pop and almost shoegazy chorus, like a, a back and forth that they do. It just doesn't quite, it's not quite as together as some of the other material is. Um, And then you mentioned uh, the Afghan Wigs. The only song that really on here that I thought of the Afghan Wigs was, is it piak?
1: Piak. Piak.
0: um i think he kind of does a very um you know a greg dooley style vocal on that kind of a boozy drunken sounded verse you know um the vocal in the chorus is you know it sounds a little bit like you know when dooley's a just on the hinge of going off key and pushing his voice but um that was probably the only song that i really I thought of them at all um not a great song on the record it's okay it's just Mm kind of me kind of meandering um i do like the the way the album ends i think see me off is a is a one of the better um l that i think we've heard in a while um has a kind of a almost like a wilco-esque melody in the verse got a lot of pop and bounce to it um you know it has this you know farewell kind of sentiment to the lyrics and saying goodbye which is just kind of a nice way to, to end the record as opposed to, I think a lot of the records it seems we review in the nineties, like the last track is some kind of like experimental 10 minute long noise fast <laughs> with a, with a hidden track at the end. Um, it's kind of nice to just go out on a, you know, more of an upbeat um, pop kind of a uh, kind of tune. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's some things I like about this record. I, I don't, I don't think it's all slam dunk. Um, I think some of it's forgettable, but there's um certainly a handful of stuff here that is um uh, i enjoyed what'd you think
1: well it was fun going back to this record because i remembered it fairly well especially the first half of the record um as me thinking oh wait this is definitely I, i i'd read in somewhere that they were called the baby wigs like this was a band that was always opening for them in cincinnati and that they were constantly compared to them and in some ways cannot get out of the shadow of the wigs and listening back to this i hear a lot more individuality than i did the first time around and um there there are points where and it's there are uh, i think it's jason Benz is actually singing on most of the record but i think that um sam womelsdorf sings on like three of the tracks which are let's hear it for decay stolen and set me off i think those are he's his three tracks um and he definitely has a different sounding voice than uh jason arbenz and he doesn't get as boozy and raspy as as uh arbenz gets which i think where that comparison come from comes from um and i know that in terms of their previous records especially sangria which was produced by Dooley, uh the NME or or Melody Maker, one of those British magazines, said it said it was a boozy sounding record. So that that carried along that sort of at, uh, attribute to his voice was carried along through each of the records. Um, and I, you know, I think on Shut Up, actually, that song reminds me a lot of later Wigs and even like Dooley's work with the Twilight Singers. Um, the guitar part and the way his phrasings for that song. Remind me of it. Now hold up, and let's take a minute
0: to ask: Is this our moon?
1: Down at the Foundry, is, which was, is still one of my favorite songs on the record from back when I first discovered it, um, sort of a weird, like, working-class uh, anthem, and uh, it gets these big choruses, and it, and it has this 1965 early Twilight singers sort of big anthemic uh, chorus-sounding uh, vocal part and that's one of the things i like is that they do a lot of like layering of the of the vocals in the chorus where they get like like on summer school um when they get to the uh it's summer school line like they all shout it together um yeah. I, and i i think his vocal i think his, or not his vocals, i think his lyrics are kind of smart and interesting in, in a lot of different ways in the summer school it's the the chorus he says it's summer school it's got a misfit it's got an island of the misfit toys appeal, um, which I like that line. And then in, um, uh, let's hear it for decay, which is actually almost song. Uh, it's like the third verse after the bridge solo. And, um, he said, he says something like, um, oh, what's the exact lyric? Uh, he's making, he's basically making a crack at like pop songwriting. Um, which i think is what that song is essentially about um i think they're taking a shot at like the decay of of rock music in the 90s um he's, he's like we gotta join this hit parade so get your four track crackin um we'll, and we'll get started one of these lazy days fun commentary on what was going on in the 90s i think is what he's getting at there um mm-hmm. But I hadn't picked. I think you know when you said that thing about Catherine Wheel on the first record. That totally sounds like a Happy Days era Catherine Wheel song. Like I can hear, I can hear that up against like Judy Staring at the Sun and Way Down and or not Way Down, but like uh, some of those other tracks on that record. Um, totally has that feel to it. And I like yeah. the. I, I, I thing I was going to say. I like the variance in the guitar tone from song to song. You know, that's mm-hmm. got a very in-your-face, buzzy sort of guitar lead on that track. And then there are other ones where it's a bit more restrained, or they use a vibrato. Um, I like, a, isn't it a pity they do this, like, really nice uh, tremoloed sort of lead that um, uh, is real, it's, it's clean and pretty. And then they get sort of nasty in some other parts. So they definitely play around with their, with their tones, and, and I kind of enjoyed that a lot, too. A lot of bands don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, they do use a lot of um, different tones and effects. They play well off of each other, the two guitar parts. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There's a nice interplay there. Um, Overall, the record sounds... I think it sounds really good. I like the sound of it. It sounds... uh, It's just a nice mix of... um, You know, it sounds tight and big, but it still has a loose... um, wouldn't say live feel to it but it just has a, like a, a slightly ragged loose feel to it that uh, just makes it you know sound real um which is nice yeah down at the foundry has um i, I felt that at least the verses and that sounded very catherine will ask and one of the things i liked about them was um the vocal melody in the verse is kind of playing with the there's a piano melody accompanying it and, and they kind of do a nice um, interplay where they'll lock up, especially after the first chorus, they come back in and they start singing a verse. And then he kind of um, all of a sudden really locks up with the melody of the piano and they mm-hmm. sound, they sing the same line together. And then he kind that of dun, breaks dun, out. Dun, dun,
1: dun, 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I love that. Cause it's, it's just this like, you know, these two melodies walking along they'll you know, but all the verses and there's moments where they kind of fall in step together, and then there's moments where they're, you know, kind of get out of step, and it's, it's just a nice little um, performance and an idea. Um, I enjoy that quite a bit, and uh, it's pretty smart.
1: Now, I, I, I do want to mention in terms of the production, it was it's uh, Joe Ciccarelli, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, he's been a producer for a long time since the '80s, and he's produced by albums by. Going back to the 80s, Oingo Boingo uh, is one, and uh, he's also worked with U2. Uh, More recently, he's worked with artists uh, such as Alanis Morissette, Dropkick Murphys, um, Jason Mraz, The Strokes, Young the Giant, Minus the Bear.
0: When you put those names back after each other.
1: My Morning Jacket, The Shins, Manchester Orchestra uh, Tori Amos. I mean, he's got mm. a, he's got a, and he also worked on, a um, several Frank Zappa albums. Oh boy. And he engineered the white stripes, icky thump,
0: mm. as
1: well as the Rock and raconteurs, consolers of the lonely, which you got it. Um, his eighth Grammy award for that, for best engineered album. So, I mean, they had a heavy hitter working on this record. Um, so that's, I think that uh, accounts for you know the quality of the sound. I also like, you know, they weren't afraid to do some layering. Um, one of the things I like about summer school is there's a, a really subtle but cool piano part that comes in like towards the end of the song. I think it's, it's maybe electric piano or a Rhodes or something like that. It's just sort of like a fun, bouncy part, but it's really kind of buried in the mix. So you have mm-hmm. to sort of... Know, throw on the headphones and, and dig into the record a little bit to hear. But they do a lot of that where they'll have like little extra guitar parts or keyboard parts that'll just kind of come in and out on songs or um, layered vocal parts. Um, I liked the fact that when Womelsdorf was singing you could hear Arbenz doing the harmonies in the background. Even if they weren't mm-hmm. that loud, he was still contributing a vocal to the track. And I, I think when they sing together they actually sound pretty good not that I need them to do like some sort of Jayhawk's harmony the whole time but they do have pretty contract. Um, Arbenz has that like higher rasp so mm-hmm. it works well with that sort of mid tempo monotone of uh, Womelsdorf. and uh, th- what was I going to say oh and I liked the I like that there's just like little production touches that I liked like at the beginning of Let's Hear for Decay uh, there's like a a drum loop sort of sound to the, to the drums for that song. Um,
0: I think there's a drum loop that goes through that. I think that drum loop actually goes through a lot of the song. Like you don't notice it until they go to, um, they come on out of the chorus or something and you can hear it still kind of in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I liked in stolen, um, it's kind of a slippery song in that it, it moves in and out of this, uh, this like, two or three note guitar lead. Uh, I think a lot of bands would overkill it, but they only introduce it on like the back half of the verse that like n-ner, n-ner, part that that goes on. Mm. Um, yeah. I really like that uh as a as a little extra melody line in the, when in the verses. He's I think his voice is a little bit distorted on that, which makes it sound cool. It's always good when you get a little distortion on the voice. Um but yeah, going back and and listening to it, it was it was fun and it reminded me of like how there are no bands sort of like doing just straight up rock like to me this is kind of just like a straight up rock record with a little bit of midwestern you know touch to it Um, like you mentioned there's that subtle little Wilco sort of sound to that like the last song and you know uh, you wouldn't get that you don't get that a band would just completely sound like Wilco today rather than just sort of having a little bit of a, a sound similar to them on one particular track
0: so did uh, you didn't mention Gorilla Skies. What did you think of that song?
1: I like that song. It's, it's not my favorite on the record as far as the slow songs go. It de- I mean, it has such a heavy Beatle influence. It's sort of unavoidable. And they actually released it as an EP on an EP two years before with a cover of um, Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere by uh, Neil Young. Which is one of my favorite Neil Young songs of all time. Um, so I appreciated that that cover that they did uh, when I when I discovered the EP after I found this record. So um, so they,
0: that's an older song that they obviously thought was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I need to listen to the original version to see if it's produced the same way. I be uh,
1: I would be curious to hear it too. I don't remember. I think I, I have the MP3s somewhere, so I'd have to go back and like dig them out. Um, they, for, it's
0: uh, it's actually on uh, Spotify I just, just saw that so yeah. they have um, what looks like probably their whole discography on, on Spotify
1: yeah it should be three albums and an, an EP as their main yeah. discography aside from any you know compilations or whatever they also they had a little bit of I don't say fame but they contributed to the Tom Petty uh, tribute that came out in the 90s and they did a version of uh, You Got Lucky I think hmm So, or that's the name of the compilation, I can't remember, it's one of the two. Uh, But anyway, yeah, everybody should, you know, hopefully from the music we've played during this episode, you'll have enjoyed this particular band and want to go check them out. All the stuff's on Spotify, which is nice.
0: Uh, Yeah, they have a single from 91, another one from 92, Crills Guys 96, and then all the records, so it's pretty comprehensive.
1: Yeah, I don't even. I haven't even heard those first. I didn't. I don't think I've heard trot out the encores or those early singles. I think I've heard Sangria, maybe once back in the day, but I don't recall. Um, so
0: I'm looking at the uh, related artists on Spotify. Today. Yeah, I don't know any of these bands. I'll rattle some off. Um, my dad is dead. <laughs> Five Eight Black yeah. Cab Garage Land. Happy refugees, That's Bunny like, Grunt.
1: These sound like all fake bands from movies.
0: I know they do. Like uh, Airport Girl, Splitsville.
1: It sounds like the name of a band from a '90s teen movie that, like, Breckin Meyer would have been the lead singer of, <laughs> along with, uh, along with, uh, I don't know, somebody else.
0: Car sick cars.
1: What? That's not real. These
0: none. Car sick cars. <laughs> Kid Congo and the Pink, something. I'm afraid to. Pink monkey birds.
1: No. So, yeah. Those are all fake bands.
0: Are these all like Ohio bands or something? I don't know.
1: I have no idea. I've They're never. Heard up one. here. Yeah. It's
0: probably we the same five viol- followers.
1: Probably the same violets up on all music, I'm guessing.
0: <clears throat> Short.
1: Yeah. And this, as is the, and there's no related artists on AllMusic, which is hard to do. I don't have a lot to say about the record and this is a hard one because I, I like the record a lot so i've been in one of those places where i'm like yeah there's some there's some minor missteps here and there but i don't have a lot of negatives to say about the record because I, I think it's a solid listen all the way through and i even though they put back-to-back slow songs from at four and five on the record it doesn't really disrupt it for me um you think that that would start to that would really drag down the first half of the record but i think Shepherd's song is so strong that uh, it carries it into the second half of the record so okay. yeah
0: i agree i, I agree that the slow songs are not um the, uh sometimes on records when we get to the slow songs you know you kind of fade and tune out a little bit because mm-hmm. it's it's just it's, uh, we've talked about this it's just harder to write a good slow song it just is there's more space to fill there's more you're you paying attention, attention. More... Yeah. yeah um so you know it's, a lot of bands aren't Good at doing that. It's very very difficult. Um, they pull that off pretty well. They, yep. you know, a lot of that could be the production um, of the record in terms of you know using different instruments and layering things and, um, but uh, whatever the reason, you know, the slow songs are not, not a downer. I, I think for me, it just, um, it's more of you know, there's a there's uh, a group of songs in here that are just from a song standpoint. Um, you know, a little bit looser, not quite as sharp, not quite as focused as others. And that's really my only complaint.
1: So one last note, uh, Jason Arbenz is in a new band with his brother in Cincinnati called Goose. That's that's the only thing I've been able to find. Because I tried to get him or Sam Womelsdorf on the show and I couldn't even track him down. So <laughs> we're the album Better EP, Decent Single. Let's get this wrapped okay. up.
0: I'm at a, uh, where am I at? I'm going to say Worthy album. I, I think I'm a little bit, maybe we're on the same boat here. I like it. I don't know that I love it. Um, there's some songs that I really like a lot and, um, you know, would love to hear from time to time. Uh, unlike like maybe like Jump Little Children. I don't know if I'll be going back, you know, right away to, to, to spin this. Mm-hmm. After we've done this episode, so I think it's worth the album, worth listening to, especially if you like a lot of the bands that we mentioned. Because there's just not a lot of bands that sound like them. You know what I mean? There's not a lot right. of there's not a lot of other bands in the Afghan Wigs, Catherine Wheel, you know, kind of area. So if you like those bands, and we both like those bands, so I think for us it it connects just because of the similarities there. We we yep. actually appreciate that part.
1: I'm I'm with you, and I've said it earlier. I, I think this is a worthy album. um I don't think there are a lot of missteps on this record. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I think it's got above-average lyrics. Which you know, I think by the time of the mid to late '90s rolled around, you got a lot of bands that were pumping out some crap lyrics. So I think that this. I think he's a, he's an interesting and occasionally witty songwriter. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I like the, like, there's a little bit of swagger to the record that I like. So, um, you know, they, they're definitely going for some, um, some pop in the, in the choruses here and there, but I think more importantly, they're trying to be a, an interesting rock band first and foremost, and I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I'm at Worthy, album. So if you you like what you heard on this record, please leave us some positive feedback over on our iTunes page. As we've previously mentioned, if you leave us positive feedback on the iTunes page during the month of December, we will pick one person who has left left us feedback and we will choose you for a free review in our 2014 season. You will get to pick an album for us to review. No donation required. Uh, of Course, you can make your own request of an album by visiting our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's just that simple. So, for Jay, I am Tim. That is our review of Throneberry's 1998 album, Squinting Before the Dazzle. We'll be back next week for our final review of the 2013 season. See you then, kids. We'll be back with another episode of Dig Me Out.